You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. Molly Weiss, VP of Marketing and Communications, is back as our host, this time welcoming our Vice President of Business Development, Alexander Carter, for an in-depth market assessment with best practices to help you navigate where to start and what you should be looking for in potential solutions, vendors, and partners for your business. Check out this episode on our site to download an RFP-style vendor checklist to help you evaluate your options. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and communications industry. I'm Molly Weiss, the VP of Marketing and Communications at Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with our VP of BizDev, Alex Carter. Welcome, Alex. It's awesome to have you today. So as you guys know, we've titled today's episode, Smart Shopping, the Ultimate Vendor Evaluation Checklist. And we do have an actual shopping list template that we'll be sharing with you all today at the close of the episode. And the reason we asked Alex to come on today and talk with us about this is because people will reach out to Miracle all the time looking for guidance on how to tackle issues related to call delivery in a number of different areas. And sometimes we're able to directly provide a solution and other times we're here to share our knowledge of what's possible, what's available out there, connect you to our partners, other technology providers, consultants in specialized areas, and so on and so forth. So Alex, my first question for you today is, for anybody who is out there who's looking to improve outbound communications but not quite sure where to start in terms of selecting that supplier, what would be our typical approach for helping companies get started in the process of finding the right solution to fit their unique set of requirements? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, uh, good question. So since this is a newer you know, type of, of legislation slash issue uh, within the marketplace, a lot of people really are in different uh, buying or shopping stages uh, when they come in to ask questions. So there's there's a lot to be discussed uh, up front. So I think what's important is whenever enterprises are visiting with suppliers that you really kind of start out the conversation instead of just diving right into a particular uh, process, you level set. You know, what have you learned so far? Um, what do you have questions on? So really have an upfront discussion on you know, what it is they're trying to solve for. What is your particular issue? Do you have that you know, honed in on or figured out? What are you trying to accomplish? And then what are some of your sets of measurements that would make this a success? And you know, then go from there to make sure that the, the solution providers you're looking at will then meet your particular requests. Okay, making sense so far. And then what would you see, say is one of the main issues that's initially driving people in to look for a solution? Is it that they know or they think or they worry that maybe their contact rates are going down and they're investigating all of the many reasons this could be happening? Or are you seeing it's usually a little more specific than that? Yeah, so typically that is, that is the most common you know, uh, reason that they, stu- they start their shopping is that their answer rates have declined, their connection rates have declined. Obviously that results in the decline of whatever they're trying to do, whether it be something that they're, that they're looking to increase in sales or, or for anything for that matter. What, one thing that we like to start out with and what I think all suppliers you know, typically do a good job of starting out with is really explain what's going on and what's happening to them. So a lot of times what we'll do is we'll level set 
uh, in the beginning and say the Know Your Customer Act was passed a few years ago, really kind of focused in where uh, there had been a lot of research done. And this problem was very large. So they estimated about $30 billion was being defrauded from the American public. And we all know we get these types of calls where they're trying to grab your credit card uh, or they're trying to you know, sell you some fictitious car warranty or things like that. So it really was, or still is, an extremely large problem. So the Know Your Customer Act was passed in order to work with the carriers, jointly with the carriers, to say, hey, we got to do something about this. Um, and what the carriers then ended up doing was getting some resources in the form of uh, analytics providers, right? Ones that could take a look at all this traffic that was coming, you know, from wherever it was coming from, the different patterns. There's a lot of things, and it's it's a intellectual property and a and a secret for a good reason, because you obviously don't want to tell the bad guys, you know, what you're up to. But they deployed these resources, which in turn we explain to our customers. That's why sometimes you'll see that you know your phone when you're dialing out from your outbound numbers that they're terminating with a spam you know, risk, and we can get into more specifics on that. The other thing I wanted to cover real quick too, is there's a lot of confusion between Stir Shaken and the Know Your Customer Act. So the Know Your Customer Act, again, we just kind of cover is really about establishing trust. You are who you say you are. You do own those particular phone numbers. Stir Shaken is an entirely different piece of legislation, and that's really to help catch the bad guys uh, from stealing your number. So for example, you have a retail operation, you have a website with a telephone number on it. What some of these bad guys will do is they'll go in there and they'll copy that number and they'll spoof it across. It's caller ID pulsing as I believe more of the technical term in the dialer market. They'll pulse it across. So it'll actually look like their number that's calling and then they'll try to steal that information. So there's really two different sets of legislation that cover really two different topics. They're, they're not as related as a lot of people think. And awareness is, is huge here, right? It's about understanding where the problem is coming from so you can kind of really establish that good baseline to say, okay, I get what's happening. Now, once we've gotten this general understanding of the issues and the players established, how does a company then build on that to start to define requirements or, or actual goals they're looking to fulfill? Exactly. So after we have that first step of the conversation and we're all in agreement that, yep, this is this is matches up. Thank you for the education. I appreciate, you know, you walking me through how and why what's going on. Then the next steps to do is we really need to hone in to make sure that we're on the same page on what you're looking to what what does success look like for you. Right. Uh, is that I would like to return my contact or my answer rates back to what they were previous to this all happening in the first place? Uh, you know, obviously, do I want to increase my my revenue? You know, or or have some type of financial impact? Um, there's a lot of interesting things too. Like we get a lot of, of delivery, you know, types of companies, and not necessarily that. Um, that they're having problems with the revenue standpoint, but they've got drivers that need to show up at a specific time. So if that call is marked as spam and that person's not around to answer the phone, that's gonna be, um, that's gonna be a missed opportunity. It's gonna cost them more money because they have to return the goods and services. And then also one that's not thought about often too is just a simple doctor's appointment. So if you've got a healthcare appointment that you're, that you're using a lot of these larger systems, use automatic dialers, uh, to do simple appointment reminders and things like that out to their patients to make sure that they just simply remember to come in for their, their appointment or to, uh, as a medication adherence reminder, we've got companies that will use that, to try to keep people on plans with taking their medications. 
So, and if you're uncertain of the problem and what the scope of that problem is, you know, we need to dig in further, but most people by this time have got a pretty darn good idea of, you know, what they're looking to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's all about starting to match up. What exactly are you trying to do to all the various different options that are gonna be out there kind of to fit whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, making sure that you are on the same page with your supplier to set that baseline of where you're starting from, what it is that you wanna do so you can then set those baseline metrics to then see where you're trying to go and then track if you actually get there. All makes sense. Um, so let's say that where you've determined that you would like to start is by at least getting a better understanding of how you're being impacted. Let's start there. So you wanna start monitoring your phone number reputation. What do these monitoring platforms typically provide? Yeah, so there's a there's a variety of suppliers out there that's popped up to help you know tackle this problem and help enterprises figure it out. And of course, there's a variety of options uh, that that they have to meet specific needs. So, for example, if if a company, if you're a company that you know you really don't feel you like you have that big of a problem, you've tested you know uh, from your dialer to your phones, you feel like you're okay. Um, there's there's some very simple solutions out there that just offer monitoring and just visibility, right? So they'll run your numbers through on a, on a cadence, right? They'll give you a certain allotment that you can run them through and there's a screen you can look at that will say, okay, all of these are showing my toll-free number or showing my DID, um, or it's showing a spam label and it'll tell you, you know, which one of those that, they're, that the networks are on. There's also companies and suppliers out there that will offer that same approach with the monitoring and the visibility, but they'll also include remediation, which is where they'll, they'll handle the support and service of those numbers going forward. Okay, so what's, uh, what's typically possible with the remediation then? Is this gonna be one and done kind of a thing? Is this ongoing? How long does it last? What do I have to do? What kind of success should be expected here? Yep. So for the suppliers that offer remediation, and and we you know we strongly encourage this. Uh, if you guys, if, if if your business is finding that it's problematic, like you definitely are experiencing you know spam issues um, on a frequent basis, this would be the way to to dive in more to remediation. But what can happen is those suppliers, you know, you get you signed up, get everything all vetted, all the spam numbers will be clean, and everything's okay. But what a lot of people don't understand is that those analytics companies are frequently manipulating those algorithms in there and they're doing that by design and they're obviously doing their best to try to keep these fraudsters you know, blocked or shown as spam likely because those are the calls you want blocked. I, I certainly don't want to answer those calls so if it says spam likely, I'm definitely not going to answer it. But what can happen is that can catch up a few of good enterprise numbers, their DIDs or toll-free numbers when they make those changes but what's nice about it, the suppliers that offer remediation, they actually do get, they're, they're linked in with those analytics companies and they do get ratings change notices on a weekly basis, right? So those can come in. They are working on making those more frequent, but right now the standard from those companies is a weekly basis. By the end of this year, they should be more frequent. Um, but anyways, the, the suppliers will get that information that will be automatically uh, placed into the platform, an alert will immediately go out to the enterprise. So if there's like a particular distribution group or anything, we set the, you know stuff like that up in the beginning. And then the remediation will take place. What that really is, is the, the supplier on the behalf of the customer um, going back to that um, 
channel where it is in need of remediation because it might not necessarily be all three vendors, it may just be one particular deal, fixing that number and returning it back to normal. Typically that process takes about a day, a day and a half, and it's got about a 96% success rate. So it really keeps your numbers clean. The benefit of it is you're always dialing with appropriate numbers that are not showing up as spam or being blocked altogether. Okay, and you mentioned different reports, alerts, so let's kind of dive into that a little bit, this concept of the feedback loop, or maybe lack thereof. Is there a lot of time that needs to be invested within an organization when you're thinking about what kind of, do I build it, do I buy it, what do I do? Um, how much is invested in needing to sort through any of these kind of analytics, or are there various options out there to streamline any of this? What would you say there? Yeah, again, uh, just to, to level set, it really depends upon the, the complexity of the problem. You know, if it's a simple, you know, I just need some monitoring in this like that, it's very quick turnaround time, easy to set up. Even with the vendors that offer the, the remediation, you're only looking at a three to four week, you know, setup time and there's no real integration stuff that you guys need to do. All of us suppliers are typically integrated up at the uh, analytic or, or carrier level. That's something important to look at when you're, when you're shopping is, you know, ask about who the suppliers uh, partner with or who they're integrated with, because that'll tell you real quickly whether or not they've got direct relationships and have access, the appropriate access to fix this stuff. Um, so one of the things that, that we like to mention, too, is um, everybody works real hard on their phone scripts. They work real hard on trying to call at the right time of day. They've got all these different strategies. But really the first impression is when you pick up the phone and you look at it, does it say spam likely or does it have an actual legitimate DID uh, that's in there? So really the way to do that is for, for um, your suppliers to have a direct agreement with those analytics companies, which are First Orion, Hyatt, and, a and TNS. So this brings up another good topic. Relationship-wise, uh, are there pros and cons of working with a supplier who's a little more of an aggregator who either covers all or, or part of this various ecosystem with the, with the carriers and the apps and the analytics uh, versus working directly with each of these carrier-partnered analytics providers? How does that shake out? That's a great question, and it's a bit of a trade-off, too, so I'm glad that you asked that. So your enterprise businesses are certainly welcome to call up uh, Hia, which works uh, on the AT&T network, uh, First Orion, which works on the T-Mobile network, or TNS, which works on the Verizon network. So they're, again, the ones that are trying to protect us all from you know, these hazardous you know, calls. So you can establish a direct relationship uh, with those guys. So the pro of that uh, in doing so is that, you know, they have direct relationships with the carriers. They've got um, some pretty nice reporting tools uh, that will show you neat things um, that aren't quite facilitated down to the aggregator level yet, although that's being discussed and, and worked on. But things like call duration, uh, so the time that they're on the phone, they can see, oh, these have increased, right? They can see the answer rates uh, specifically have, have increased in this particular attempt, right? So they can slice and dice a little bit more. So that would be the, the pro to going with it. The challenge to going with direct with each of those is then you've got three contracts to manage. So when you want to change, let's just pretend you have one DID and you want to brand that, you want to submit that all, you would have to do that three different times, four different times if you want to use it on the Google Pixel device as well. And then anytime you want to make an update or a change to that uh, or add numbers, you're going to have to do that four different times. 
The pro of going with an aggregator approach or somebody that's got agreements with all of these is you just submit that, that support ticket, you submit that DID one time, that flows down, then the aggregator takes care of that. So go ahead. I was going to say, so, okay, when we're structuring this all out, how about flexibility when we're looking at these solutions too? So we've got multiple different pathways we can take. Is it, is it easier or better to look for a supplier who's going to roll some solutions together, kind of like predefined options that are probably going to help you out? Or is it more important to try to go in and really build your own kind of customized solution? What, what guidance would you give us there? Say that their flexibility is key uh, within this space. Uh, so when you're looking for different vendors, have them cover the different options that we have. Because you know, depending upon where the suppliers are in their maturity life cycle, again, this is a fairly new product. Okay, so you got to keep in mind this has only been for sale for a very short amount of time. So everybody's working to upgrade. You know, you name it, right? But what businesses are finding out that they need the most is they want to use this tool strategically. They want to be cost conscious when they're using, you know, things like, uh, like a branded call display or, you know, for that matter, to be able to have the flexibility to go in there and say, I want these particular DIDs to have these particular features um, and I want the spam removed. That's what I want. Um, so again, if you're having that type of complex problem, you need to have the vendors that will show you like their software and show you the different flexibility and how easy it is where you're just basically loading up the stuff one time and then it's, then it's on cruise control. Okay. And how about when we're talking about a little more sophisticated of a solution outside of just the reputation management, if we shift into some uh, branded calling conversations here, we'll start with the technology question there to evaluate as you're shopping around. That call branding that's going to be displayed um, on on smartphones. Let's start with smartphones. Is this the same thing as CNAM? Is is it different? Is it better? Do they accomplish the same thing? Do I need both of them? Do I need only one? How does this all work together? This has become kind of a super confusing uh, point in the market again because things are are moving and and they're changing. So there's real two there's two ways to put a name uh, on a, like a, a brand or a name. Uh, on a particular caller ID when it comes across, right? There's CNAM, which is called caller ID name, right? And that is a legacy technology. It's been around for, for some time. And how that technology works is that there's, a, there's sets of databases that are kind of disparate and spread throughout uh, the carrier networks and even physically located. Those databases in that technology need to be updated you know, to reflect the DID and the name right next to each other. So that's how that technology works. So then that way when the enterprise pushes the calls, it checks those databases, it says, oh, I do have a name listed here. But if those databases, and since there's so many of them, um, aren't updated on a frequent process, then there could be some room for some error. Uh, so typically on that legacy product, we'll see you know, anywhere from a 30, 35% branding efficacy uh, when that technology is used. And then a few years ago, rich call display, RCD, sometimes slang, we call it branded calling, uh, is a different type of technology. And that only works in the, the mobile arena because it works as a push, right? So those same analytics engines um, that we, uh, that the, us suppliers partner with, uh, in this space are able to actually push a brand instead of having to like check a CNAM database, 
they're able to push that down onto the terminating phone. So that drives that efficacy rate. And primarily for this, let's stick to just caller ID, like the name. Some of them do have some graphics and some other things like that, but the, the very consistent thing is the name being replaced uh, from the phone number. They've got about a 99% efficacy rate on pushing that on. So a lot of people are more leaning towards saying, hey, I got way more control if I use a rich call data approach versus a CNAM, because I don't have to go find these databases and update them. Mm -hmm. Probably depends um, on the type of business you have to the type of people you're trying to be calling, which types of devices are they going to be on if it's likely they're on mobile devices. And we're talking 99% more efficacy here with RCD calling. Sounds like a good new technology. So let's talk about how do we get this all set up? So sounds like, again, we've got multiple players in place here. We're talking multiple different networks, platforms, different devices that we're looking to push name to. What are some of the considerations here when we're deciding how to best set a solution up across all these different options, um, whether it be establishing, again, those multiple different supplier type relationships, or if we're looking more at an aggregator type model again, what would be important to be thinking about here? the most important to think to think about in this is your own business's time and resources and how much you know how much does it cost to employ somebody if you would like to do a lot of this work yourself right and everybody's got different rates on depending upon what their company uh, is doing right but what we find a lot is that is that companies really want to stick in their wheelhouse and say you know what we do have a few that, that would like to do specialty builds and whatnot but most of them say, look, this is kind of out of the league here. There's a lot of FTE cost involved. So it's probably a better route if we go with an aggregator that's got a simple portal where we can load up numbers and we can assign, you know, which ones need to be branded, which ones don't, and then, then set it on cruise control. Have that aggregator, that supplier, then go ahead, take care of all the spam removal, unblock any of the frauds, you know, and then go ahead and slap a brand on these particular ones. And again, the flexibility of these suppliers uh, platforms has really grown to be able to, for the enterprises to, to get fairly strategic with how they use their, their branded calling options with a very minimal setup or time spent in the portal. Branding, this is you know a whole new level of a campaign management type of a structure these these businesses will have to think about now it's something that hasn't necessarily been folded into the strategy in the past and there's a lot of different ways to set these up so if we're thinking in that campaign mindset from inside in inside a contact center what would you say that some of these must think about items are going to be for this overall strategy to make sure that you're just aware of how it all works, make sure you're not being locked into anything, maybe too much or too little usage based on any kind of like minimums or maximums that are going to be typically set out there. Is there anything that you should keep in mind when you're building this overall strategy, thinking about this like element of flexibility and how to, how to define these campaigns? Yeah, the most important thing to do is is you'd have to get a good handle on what type of the actual volume you want branded versus not branded, right? So let me give you an example. We've got a couple of clients that they'll have um, they'll have a subscription service, and we'll keep it generic here that they're reaching out, and they'll have like a five call strategy attempt, and they'll brand on attempt one, attempt three, and attempt five, right? 
but then the, the two other attempts, uh, they will not brand. Well, that's kind of a cost-conscious decision for them to say, hey, we're going to play at the odds here on this because every time the, the fee structure for, for this is every time a a brand is terminated, there's a per event charge, just like you you have now with your dialers when you when you make calls. And again, this is in uh, in its infancy, so the price points on this are are still a little bit you know on a decent side, which it it has a, a significant ROI you know from that standpoint if done right. So really want to look at, okay, what's my budget? I have this many calls, they cost this much. Let me go ahead and try and choose a strategy that's going to fit, that's not going to break my bank, that's going to give me a good return. And all the suppliers that you talk to should be able to help you through that and give you, give you an idea of what you're looking for. Okay, that's super helpful to think about. So I think um, before we add more things into the mix, uh, I think now is a good time to share our downloadable evaluation guide that we put together. So this is gonna come to you via the chat window. This is gonna be an Excel file. And what this is, is essentially a blank RFP type of a template, which we've loaded for you with your checklist of shopping questions that we've covered today. Um, this is to be used as a guide for basically anybody out there who is doing an evaluation on reputation management or branded calling, or maybe both, to help guide some of those conversations across the various suppliers you're looking at. And um, just as a closing thought, since we've got a couple of minutes left here, Alex, what would you kind of leave anybody with who's just getting started in this process, talking to maybe a couple of different people, maybe feeling overwhelmed, not really knowing where to start? What would you kind of leave as, as some tips here? Yeah, so the good news is, is there are solutions to tackle this and to get this pain of these spam blocking uh, or spam notices removed. So the, the best news to share is that there are a good handful of suppliers out there and we would be absolutely happy to point you in the right direction even if it's not a, it's not a fit even for numerical. I mean, our motto here is to, to have transparency throughout the entire process, let you know what all your options are and, uh, and if suggest alternate options, if you, maybe you're just looking for a little bit of visibility, you don't, you don't necessarily need branded or, or some other remediation, but there are solutions out there. So don't be shy, you know, to go shopping for them. You don't need to sit here and suffer under poor contact rates. Um, when there are providers out there willing to, to scrape this off. And again, it's all about trust, right? What the government and the carriers and everybody are trying to do is just make sure the consumers are protected. So taking this extra step to validate your identity uh, puts trust into the system because they know it's you. You have a digital identity assigned to you with, with us suppliers. You've got your phone numbers wrapped up under that. So that allows for the free flow of that communication because everybody knows it's a trusted call. So to always remember that's what the preposis of all of this is about is, is delivering trust into the into the whole communications network. That's awesome. Thanks, Alex. So at this point, I wanted to thank you for joining us on Tuesday Talks. It was great to have you on today. And uh, I'd like to thank all of our wonderful listeners out there for joining us as well. Uh, we hope to see everybody again in our next live session, which is going to be on Tuesday, August 30th, where in uh, the first Tuesday Talks takeover of its kind, we've invited Eric Priest Collins of the Risk and Assurance Group back to interview this time Numerical's very own Pierce Gorman for part two of our conversation on global call authentication domination. So we hope to see everybody there and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. 
In our next live show on August 30th, we have our first ever Tuesday Talks Takeover featuring an outside host to interview one of our own members. It's a follow-up conversation between your special host, Eric Prieskowns of Risk and Assurance Group and editor of commsrisk.com with guest and industry legend Pierce Gorman, distinguished member of Numerical's technical staff. If you haven't listened to part one of their series together, check it out on our site or wherever you stream and be sure to join us for part two of the Global Call Authentication Domination Series on Delegate, Certificates, and Blockchain.